Welcome to the Rise Resolute Podcast. I'm Gina Meyer. I'm a doctor of physical therapy committed to empowering every woman to live a vibrant, fulfilling, experience-seeking, and healthy life. It is such a pleasure today to have Jacqueline Almas on the podcast. She is a writer. She's a runner. She's an English professor. And I'm so excited to chat with her about life and just get to know her better. So welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we get going on the interview, I would love it if you just take a moment and give the audience just a little more background on who you are, Jacqueline. Sure. Um, I... And like you said, I'm currently an English professor, so I teach a lot of writing classes, which I think is really fun because those were classes I loved when I was in university. Um, I'm a runner. I I do currently, I'm into marathons and some halves, so that's been my sweet spot. And I I have two cats. I think that's relevant, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, I, I love baking. I'm always baking sourdough or a lot of cookies, which helps when I bring them to school. Um, so yeah, those are a few things about current me. Awesome. And you know, another big thing about current you, I think is this release of this book, the, fu- fruit, yeah. <laughs> the fruit cure. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit too. Um, and feel free to weave it into our questions as well, but I'm excited to pass on that information to our listeners, um, and tell them more. So let's jump on in. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> let's do it. Um, okay. So just, I think, lead us through a little bit about some of the key moments in your life, Jacqueline, that brings you to this point that you are now, writer, runner, professor. Um, just kind of highlight some of the the key points for us, if you would. Sure. Um, so I grew up swimming and I enjoyed swimming uh, until middle school when I ran the mile as part of like the presidential fitness test. And I remember running and beating all of the people in my class and feeling kind of like, oh, maybe I I'm good run. at this thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, you know, enjoy this thing. Um, and so I kept running and I ran a little bit in college. And that's kind of what my book is about. It's about I went to college and ran my first semester successfully. And then my second semester, I started having these mysterious neurological symptoms. Um, I started like losing my ability to speak. I lost little bits of my memory. I'd have episodes where I, you know, I would wake up and not know what happened and the doctors couldn't really figure it out. So for a period of a few years, I sort of lived in limbo, which I'm sure a lot of people with chronic illness can relate to where you're wondering if you're going to be okay. You're hoping you're going to be okay. Um, I tried running, but it didn't really, it wasn't like it had been in the past. Um, And so during that time, I started taking writing classes. That's when I found writing as this other passion of mine and started thinking of that as a way to like shape my experience in the world. Um, And then Yeah, I guess that all led me to where I am now, which is I am happily very healthy and I run again and I'm writing, but I still hold the experiences of that um, period of, you know, poor health as something that has shaped who I am and how I see the world and how I see my body and how I see running and all those good things. Yeah, totally. And I think as we go through my questions here, um, we'll unravel probably a little bit more about that journey for you and, and your book, and you can kind of weave that in. Um, you know, I, 
I always love to hear stories of developing strength through struggle. And um, it sounds like, you know, these health challenges that you face, which sound crazy, you know, just a lot to deal with, really helped you get to the place that you are now. Um, I, I think that, you know, in, in 2024, we're talking a little bit more about how these struggles help to give us the fortitude we need to then step outside of our comfort zone. So do you want to speak a little bit more to the struggle itself um, and some of the things that maybe you learned from it, Jacqueline, and how that propelled you forward? Yeah, I really like the way you frame that because something that I've thought a lot about especially while writing and even just while living my life has been that I didn't really see many of my narrative out in the world. Like my narrative was one where I I wasn't like the sports movies where like I was suddenly inspirational at the end or I suddenly like, you know, was a champion at the end. Um, It was something where I felt like I still had the grief of losing control of my body. And so I was like, is this normal to feel this way where, you know, you feel like a different person, like you, you sort of evolved as a result of this illness. Um, And so that's something I'm really interested in is like, yeah, I think it's totally true. You can find strength in those experiences. And also it can be true that those experiences stay with you in some way, um, not necessarily in a negative way, but in a way that sort of shapes like how you see the world. Um, so for example, I guess for me, I don't take for granted any day that I'm able to go out and run, uh, you know, any pace, any distance, just because for a while I didn't know if my body would allow me to do that again. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess like for, In terms of the struggle part, I think for any runner, any athlete, I think so much of what we love about sport is this ability to find a form of control. Like you can control your body in the world in a way that maybe a lot of other ways in life, it feels out of our control. And so for those few moments a day or those few minutes or those miles, you're like in control of your body, you're chasing something, it feels like you're moving forward. And so for a while when I wasn't able to run, I kind of lost that. And I didn't know who I was without those numbers and without that ability to be working towards something. And so that really forced me to think about like who I was beyond running and what I wanted out of life beyond running, which was really hard in those moments, but really valuable in the end. Yeah, it's so awesome. And, you know, I think this is, it's applicable applicable for so many stages of life. You know, I know yeah. um, as a mother too, that we, you know, I have a lot of listeners who are mothers that sometimes we get trapped into that thinking, who am I without, you know, this def- this this role as a mother too. We just right. we take that on. And then at some point, I hope the kids live the, leave the house. And, and then we're <laughs> there to say, who am I without this really, you know, important part of my life that defined me for so long. And right. I, I love that you talk about figuring that out and doing the hard work. And I feel like if we can all just take some time in our daily lives to be more reflective on, you know, all of the parts of us that we want to nurture, you know, and, and grow and develop and what makes us excited outside of, you know, maybe, maybe it is outside of running, um, athleticism, whatever role it is. I think it's so important. It helps us to be more vibrant and live more well-rounded lives. So I just, I love that. And I really like this idea that you just um, spoke about a, a few minutes ago about not seeing your narrative out in the world. Um, <clears throat> I feel like there are so many people out there that do feel that way alone in their journey. 
And um, and that's what this podcast is about, to reach out, connect us all, and, and just kind of remind everyone, you may feel alone in your journey, um, but there are so many people out there that if you take the moment to be authentic with them, um, you can connect in a way that's valuable and find out that you're really not alone in this journey. So um, I love all of that. And um, tell us about the book. I Was this an outside of your comfort zone kind of thing? Was this something that took some fortitude to step into? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, some of my closest friends have read it and they were like, I didn't even know all this stuff about you. So I definitely feel a little bit raw and vulnerable right now, um, just because once you put a book out into the world, it's really not yours anymore. It's sort of this, it is yours, but it's also this object that, you know, people can take and, you know, experience in their own ways and have reactions to in their own ways. And um, that's been a really interesting experience. A lot of it has, you know, helped me feel how loved I am. A lot of people have you know, shown me so much love, um, just, you know, in telling me they're reading it or they got a copy or they, they see me in a new way, which is really meaningful to me. Um, and so, yeah, it's been a, it was an interesting experience writing it in the sense that a lot of it is stuff that I usually on a day-to-day basis don't think about so much just because I think it would be sad to live most of your life thinking about some of the hardest things that have happened to you. Um, but I think it was a book that, writing it helped heal me for the reasons that you just mentioned, which is that I did a lot of interviews for the book. I did a lot of historical research and a lot of it made me feel so much less alone than I had before. And so it was really healing to write it in the end. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I want to hear more too about your narrative. Um, another thing I'm touching on in 2024 on the podcast is just this idea of maybe rewriting our personal narrative. And and what I mean by that is that I feel like a lot of us fall into this narrative that maybe is created by society or created by someone else, right? It may be, I am here to take care of others, or I am here, I'm defined only by my job or my sport or my objective measures of success or whatever it is. And I'm trying to help um, communicate that breaking free of some of those narratives that others create for us um, can really help us to live our most, you know, our best lives. And so I want to hear a little bit more about your narrative. And do you feel like it's, do you have a personal narrative? Has it evolved over the years? Will you speak to that a little bit, Jacqueline? Yeah, I think that's such a great question and such a an interesting thing to think about. Um, I think for me, a narrative that probably comes up the most is my own past narrative for myself. So it's not so much anything anyone else imposed on me, but something I imposed on myself. Um, I think when I was in college, at least for my first year, I sort of had this all or nothing approach to running and to life. And I, part of being on a division one team was so great in that it was so insular. I had a lot of you know, you get to go to weights with your teammates, you go to practice, you go to breakfast, you go to class, then you go to the girls' house for pasta parties, you go to meets on the weekends, your life is pretty much spelled out for you. And that was a really meaningful experience for me. Um, But once I lost that, and once I, you know, I quit the team at the beginning of my sophomore year, I remember just feeling completely and utterly lost and also completely and utterly worthless. Like, who was I without sport? Who was I without all of these friends, um, you know, who I had made on the team, but I didn't really see them anymore? Who was I, like, outside of this 
sport. And I think a lot of my past self was sort of obsessed with like perfectionism and obsessed with numbers and obsessed with like chasing things for their external value. And I think a lot of my adult life has been trying to sit with the internal and intrinsic value of things and sit with things that are more in the gray area or feel less comfortable. Um, and so I guess an example of that for me is I like to paint and I think I'm pretty bad at it, but I'm, I don't mind that I am. It's like one of those spaces where I sort of intentionally fail and am playful and let myself just be a person. And so that's been really helpful and instrumental in just seeing like things can have worth, even if they don't have external value, they can still add a lot to your life. And so I think I've tried to approach a lot of things in my life like that, even if sometimes I still fail. Yeah, this is just such great insight. And I know that this is going to land on someone today who's listening, um, who does have this all or nothing um, sort of viewpoint of their life that you're talking about. And that does result in us feeling worthless, because we're never going to come up perfect. No one is perfect, you know, even though they might (laughs) seem perfect on Instagram. Please let me tell you right now, they're not, you know, and the sooner we can let go of that, you know, I... I definitely am a recovered perfectionist from like my teenage years probably. And the sooner you start to let go of that and embrace, like you said, the gray area. And, you know, I've had other guests on who talk about the duality of life, you know, that there can be sorrow and joy that coexist. Embracing that there is a lot of gray in life, um, I think just it, it, it really boosts our ability to be happy despite, you know, what's coming our way. So I love all that insight. Thank you so much for that. Um, I want to hear a little bit about how maybe your connections to others um, helped during that time and just in general in your life as well, Jacqueline. I really believe in the power of connecting. We are talking about how valuable it is to feel like we're not alone. Um, Can you speak to that a little bit for me? For sure. Um, I think something that was hard for me, and you can read about it in the book, um, is that when I was going through like my health crisis, I had um, people who were not very kind to me. So um, my teammates at the time started to play jokes on me when I was not feeling well. And so that really, really, really deeply affected my ability to accept other people's love and accept that other people could be caring. I remember just feeling after those incidents, a sense of like deep, deep fear in my body that something bad would happen to me if I wasn't well in front of other people. And so for a lot of college, I stayed very much to myself, just mostly out of this terror about like, what if I became episodic around new people? What if I started having symptoms? Would they either make fun of me or would they do something cruel? Um, And so I did have two very, very, very good friends in college who are still my best friends today who slowly started chipping away at that shell Um, just by the way that they would just be there with me and they would love me through anything. And so I think that helped a lot, just knowing like those people could see me at my best or worst and be there and not have any judgment. Um, And then in my adult life, I think just slowly starting to have the courage to try new things. Like for example, it was over a decade, but I showed up to a run club um, here where I live now. And I've met the most wonderful, incredible group of people who I run with like four times a week now. It's the first time I've run with people since college. And so I think, um, those experiences and just like, 
you know, I have a partner now who's super caring and supportive and shows up for me however I am. Um, all of those things have been just super instrumental and in, yeah, A, healing and then B, just, yeah, going through life with that feeling of no matter who I am, no matter what I do, these people love me for me. And that's something that you can't replace with anything else. And so I think that's helped me also give up. Like, it doesn't matter, for example, if my book is bad or good, like that is what my old self used to think. It matters that these people are showing up for me. And like, that's the part that I'll carry with me. Yeah, it's so true. um, And so valuable. And, you know, definitely, definitely some positive insight about how we can carry each other. And to remind everyone to be kind. It's such a cliche, but you never know what someone is going through. Um, and I, I always think of this in the clinic. I'm a physical therapist and I tell the staff to, you just never, you just never know. You never know the so reason true. for someone's gr- grouch, you know? So yeah. <laughs> you have to just try to meet them where they are. Um, one other thing that you kind of talked on, about that I think is worthwhile to just you know, restate again, because it's so powerful, is just this negative connotation that was kind of around running for you at this one point in your life. And then fast forward. And what I hear now is that running with your group is just such a source of, you know, goodness and positivity in your life. And so for me, that's just like, never give up on the things that, you know, that you love, because you never know how it will evolve. Um, Would you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think it can take like you were talking about earlier, I think when you're in different stages of life, things that you love can look different, yeah. but they can still be beautiful. Like they don't have to look exactly like they used to and you can still find fulfillment in them or joy in them. Yes, totally true. And I can relate to this because I just had to tell my buddy I'm not running the half with her because my I was diagnosed with osteopenia and now I have oh. to protect my bones. So I have some ankle pain and I'm like, I, I already stress fractured last year. So oh. <laughs> I know. But you know what? Yeah. It's okay. It's still, like it looks different, just like you said. And that's right, okay. Right. Um, it's just one of those seasons. That's right. Exactly. And again, totally, you know, gen- we can generalize this to life. Like things are going to look different um, in right. each days. And we can't measure, you know, our success by the what we could do, you know, when we were in teens or 20s, et cetera. Right. Um, so love that. Um, I, you know, the one last question I did want to touch on is just, you know, obviously you're an accomplished author, you're a professor, um, you know, I, I feel like you're just living a really well-rounded life. Um, do you have any um, other t- tips um, or encouragement in, in taking this purposeful action towards our dreams? Um, do, these baby steps that we can take. How did you come to take those steps, Jacqueline? That's a great question. Um, I think one of my, one of the things that I really do believe in now and I teach it and I hopefully practice it is just this idea of like play um, and this making intentional space for failure. And I always tell my students, like, I want you to fail. And I, I tell them that jokingly because obviously they're not failing grade wise, but I want my class be a space where they they're not afraid to just try something wild and see what happens and not worry about the you know what's going to happen at the end of it or if it's going to be quote good or not i want them to just be like what is this and let me follow my curiosity and so i try in my own life to do that with whether it's just like carving out an hour for myself where i say this is your hour to make art and you are not doing anything else or this is your hour to try writing something weird that you might not ever touch again, or 
this is your hour to go run and the snow with your friends and not care about your pace, like making those spaces where it's just for the pure pleasure of something, I think has been really important for me. And so I think anytime you can give yourself that opportunity is really valuable. Yeah, man. I love this so much. Make space for failure. It's so, so powerful. Um, It's such great advice. I hope someone who hears this today will do this today. And this doesn't mean intentionally like go speeding down the street in your car, right? Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) This means like, yes, have fun with your life and, and take those steps where you can, it's okay. It's okay to not, you know, it's okay to not be the best at whatever it is that you're doing or to try something new or um, maybe, you know, do something that's a little bit unconventional, et cetera. It, that's, that's the magic. That's the magic. Right. Um, I love, I love that insight. So I hope it falls on someone today at the right time. Um, okay. Uh, before we begin to wrap up, wrap up, I would like number one for you to tell the listeners how they can find you, how they can find your book. If you would do that. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm just Jacqueline Allness. So it's, I think it'll be spelled on the podcast. Um, and then my website's the same and my book is called the fruit cure and you can find it anywhere. If you just type it in, um, you can find it on my website or Instagram as well. So it's easy to find. Awesome. And then before I do a couple little quick ones to end, um, if there's any other words of encouragement that you would like to put out there, um, to other women who might be listening today, I'll give you the opportunity to do that as well. Sure. I think this goes with a lot of what we're talking about, but I just hope that if you feel alone, know that you're not. Um, I think that's something that I have learned and I am still learning sometimes. And I think that, you know, spaces like this where we can tell our stories and connect over them are really valuable. And even if you don't have someone to tell your story to necessarily, knowing that there are people out there who probably feel like you and are there for you is really important. Yeah, beautiful. I and you know, I really do believe and that people are more loving than than sometimes we than we really realize. And there's a lot of love out there. Um sometimes you just have to ask for it, you know? Yeah. Um okay, a couple quick things to wrap up. Uh Jacqueline, give me some top things in your day-to-day life that bring you joy. Little things. Oh my goodness. Uh, first cup of coffee in the morning. Definitely always yeah. a win. Um, my cat always tries to get on my Zoom calls, which brings me <laughs> joy and frustration at the same time, but usually joy. Um, yeah. Waking up early as an adult and rolling under a locked gate to get onto a track every Tuesday is definitely a highlight. Um, I feel like it's absurd, but I love it. Um, and yeah, showing up and seeing my students every day always brings me joy. So that's a fun thing too. Awesome. I love it. Um, okay. The last one is a complete the sentence. I normally have another sentence that I use, but because of what we've talked about in this podcast episode, I'm going to do a new one for you. Okay. (laughs) All right. So feel free to take your time and just think about it. I think we've already discussed it anyway, but, um, we'll, we'll leave the listeners with this. I'm going to start the sentence. You complete it. Make space for failure because. Ooh, I like it. Make space for failure because the unexpected can be really beautiful and really 
rewarding in ways you might not realize. Yes. So good. This is why I love having a writer on the podcast. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. Um, well, thank you so much for spending some time with me, sharing your story. I hope listeners will go out and grab this book. And, um, and yeah, we can all just be connected and um, continue to live vibrant lives uh, with your example, Jacqueline. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has really been delightful. I really appreciate your time. Yes, it's been such a pleasure. And thank you listeners for coming along this ride with us. Let's lift each other up. Connected, we can rise.